You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com Welcome to God Stories Radio. This is Session 25. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. It's been a crazy week, Mike. It has. And it's been a little bit since we've had uh, a session. I know it. I'm glad to be back. Me too. Right in front of this mic. You know, I'm proud of us this week, Mike. You know, because it seems like we've, um, since we've taken on God Stories Radio, the responsibility of it, and since we've really hunkered down and got serious at, at real men that the old slew foot there's been been nagging at us yep. and when you and i talked last night i mean he will take just the the smallest of things and mm-hmm. blow them up and, and just up try to sure. destroy friendships and absolutely and uh, man I'm, i was just proud of us yeah i was proud of the way we handled that little situation and and we got over it got over it yeah better than ever those things at work work is work right in the wave <laughs> right in the wave yes <laughs> i'm adopted that saying yeah really right in the that. wave but you know something happened this week i spoke to uh said it at our uh, group last night that uh, i was introduced to this book uh, the power of a praying husband mm. and um i started reading it and i was in a chapter i don't know maybe five or six and and in the the author had said that um you can uh, basically go to god and say basically you know to let me know you're still there can you do something to let me still still there and i thought about that and you know i know i have faith i have strong faith and to me that was kind of like you know that saying that you don't if you do that but so i did and within within hours this was at night the next day one of our the guys in our group i sent um, sends a text every single day and the text is a verse and it, you know, every single day a verse, and it just so happened, uh, maybe eight, ten hours after I talked and prayed to God that night and said that, it came through and was not a verse. It was just Him thanking me for being the leader that in the group and and the stuff that I have helped Him through, and you know that uh, I'm there. God put me there to be a comfort to others, and that was just, as you would say, threw me a bone. Um, and then about two hours after I got that text, I went to another friend of mine who works at the store, and uh, he saw me, and he says, you know, Mike, last night, I was burdened my heart. To, I was thinking about you, and I started talking to God about you because you, you love the Lord, and you, you're trying to do everything he's letting you know or what wants you to do, and why is it taking so long for that God's gracious gift to come along? And he was... How do you want to say it? He was uh, partitioning God for me. And I would say that was my second bone um, because he said he started that night, the night I was talking to God about that, he probably at the same time burdened to start talking to God for me. I'm wowed. I am. Shows up and shows Shows off off. all the time. 
Shush, how are you doing? How's your week this week? My week's been awesome. It started with the Karen Williams concert. You were there. I saw you in the oh, cage. that women's event was, was off the hook. Wasn't it? That's really all I can say about that. You see how we so women get together? I was so glad I got to participate in that. And I didn't realize her husband wrote the Buckaroo Country song. Oh, so that was a treat. Karen Williams, she's a um, Christian artist. She's actually from Winter Park, which is... Um, it was really cool because I just finished my final exams at Rollins College in Winter Park. Go see her in concert. She's from Winter Park, so we were some Winter Park girls up in the house representing. She offered to give us a uh, music bed, too, for our yeah, show. I want to take her up on that. Me, too. Like what we use, our, like our intro music mm-hmm. and stuff oh, okay. like that. Yeah. And, and so it's a piece that she wrote. And that she asked if yeah. we would consider using it. It's called Ordinary Angels. And we were talking about testimonies and all that good stuff. And she even said that she would be willing to uh, maybe give her testimony via Skype. Or, really? Oh, yeah. yeah she could wow. be the first. Because I tried to be there, too, and they didn't need me that night. So I was oh. Like, oh. You should have showed up and hung I out backstage. Tried. I should have showed up and uh, helped you push some buttons. And said, so what, what do you mean I'm I not supposed drums. to be here? <laughs> I got to play drums in the band. So oh, you did? Yeah, he was me. on oh, drums. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I couldn't hang out with you, be on the stage in the band, uh, <laughs> behind that uh, partition for the drums. But I tried to be there as I usually am for uh, backstage, and they had somebody else already in on that. So her, isn't her father the owner of the... Uh, the magic the the orlando magic right oh and that was the other amazing thing she has 18 brothers and sisters she said she's just happy to be anywhere alone just some (laughs) alone time and i think 14 of the siblings are all adopted from other parts of the world so there's like five homegrown biological kids Mm -hmm. and then 14 adopted from all over the world she just has an amazing story. Well, speaking of amazing stories, uh, tell us who we have tonight. Yes. We have a very dear friend of mine, Tamara. I talked to you guys about her before. She she is legally blind. Am I saying it right? Yes. I'm legally blind, but I have partial sight, so I do see some. Because I had said before that she was blind. Right. And she's like, I'm but not you did, blind. You did say legally bl- blind before yes. as well. There, I know what that means. Yeah. Well, see... Blindness to a lot of people, I mean, it doesn't like necessarily say a whole lot because when people think of blindness, they just think of black darkness. And people can be legally blind and see different images, shapes, Mm -hmm. shadows, colors. Um, Some people don't see a lot of detail. So the terms are there so people can qualify for services. Mm like whether you have to go on permanent disability or you need some type of accommodations in college or school or what have you not for programs. Terminology can be somewhat confusing, but I am blessed that I do have some sight, yes. Okay. And I I wanted to say too, I met her originally through, um, there's a program that we're both involved in because I have a daughter that has vision issues the way that we met was through the moms of preschoolers group and i wanted to say if there's any new moms out there or if you're pregnant they they'll take you pregnant and you go um to these groups until i think the child is four years old 
or kindergarten. And it's a, it's like a mom's morning out every other week. You get together with other moms and you share different, you know, mothering tips. And we give each other clothes and hand-me-downs and... Right, you're referring to Mops, though, when you're talking about that, correct? Yeah, Moms yeah, of Preschoolers. Yeah. yeah, And you can find Mops just about in um, just about any church. I know Real Life does it. The First United Methodist Church of Claremont does it. Um, you just need to uh, look under ministries at your, your churches, and you can find those types of outreach programs that serve service women and children. Yeah, Mops, Mops International, I think you can find them online. As well, yes. So anyway, that's where Tamara and I met, was from the moms group. And then we found out, ironically, (laughs) that we also had um, another connection without ever having um, met. I think I missed the first, I think it was the first session, and then I made the second session, and I think Trish can correct me if I'm wrong, but she made the third session, and all the tables were pretty much full, but the table that I was placed at was um, the head table with um, the group leader, so I I thought that was pretty cool because I didn't know anybody going, and we still had like a couple chairs left, and I think Trish Trish was hoping to um, get placed at a table where she might have known one or two people, and God had put her at my table, and as we chatted... (laughs) That's the ironic part. We found out that we both had children that were in the program for New Vision for Independence that works with children um, from infancy all the way to the elderly to help them have an independent life. So they make sure you don't fall behind emotionally, um, physically, developmentally. They guide you, you through you, the Yeah, schools. you have developmental skills to to be prepared for school, at least for the, the babies and, and um, toddler program. They work with you till you get to about school age, and then they're right now branching out their organization to service children that right now are in the school system because the school system tries to also provide additional services there. You know, it's like one of those catch-22s. You know, you don't want to step on the school's toes, <laughs> but yet a lot of families do need extra additional help. Like for me, as instance, like I'm, as I said earlier, legally blind, and my son has also inherited my vision through pregnancy because I didn't know it could be carried on. And I didn't even know until I had him that my vision came from genetics. I had a severe skull fracture at three weeks old and fell out of a shopping cart head first and wasn't expected to live. And the outcome for every scenario my mom was given, do surgery, she'll probably die, do nothing, she'll probably die, Um, do this, well, she might be retarded if she lives. And so my mom just prayed and did nothing and I have a vision problem, (laughs) so. So that's what we thought, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just probably from the fall because nobody could say because I was such a tiny, tiny baby. Had my son, I had mentioned to the pediatrician that I had these vision issues, and so she was really attentive with my son and noticed things early on that might have been self-correcting, like you know, rapid eye movement and different little things. And so we got referred out to a eye doctor right away and. We found out that he indeed had cataracts, premature macula, and his vision was definitely impaired. 
But he sees better than I do because of the advancements of medicine. What a blessing. And there are so many things that, in my scenario, having the skull fracture and you know treatment not being what it is today with the advancements of medicine, that I didn't benefit that way. When I was a child, my, my mom had you know gotten divorced. I had two older brothers, and my family decided that you know we didn't need to really talk about my vision being different, that I was just a normal kid, like no other kid, you know, everybody is the same. Just go out there, live life, experience it to the fullest. So it was a blessing that my mom didn't have fear of letting me explore my world. When I went through life like every other kid, I thought I was normal, quote unquote, whatever normal means. When I entered elementary school, I was chastised by teachers, by children, peers, I guess you'd say peers versus children. It just like you're different. Everybody had to point out because when I go to read, I have to put things two inches away from my nose. So there's no way I can hide it. It's like right there. Me and Mikey do that now. Yeah, but, but you know, so, you know, I thought, well, doesn't everybody see like this? Because no one ever told me I was different. You know, that really affected how I felt about myself and how I developed a self-image. You know, my mom believed in God, but we weren't practicing in our home. We didn't go to a church, but maybe on Christmas service or Easter. Christers. Christers, yes. And um, growing up, you know, I just didn't have um, a Christian-based stance. You know, I didn't have a foundation. I didn't have anything to draw off of. And so God periodically put different kids in my life that would share things about God. And those were like little baby seeds. And I got to hear about God and how miraculous his love was and the gifts that he he did for people, whether he healed people or brought people through difficult and hard times. And the funny thing about being a child is you don't yet have the reasoning and cognitive ability to discern, because children don't. You, you can't discern things like why does God heal some people and not heal others what does it mean to be different to explain that to a child it's it's like children are so into self just like when you become a teenager you identify with your peer group because that's your really your whole world outside of your parents I like I said I just thought hey I'm like you and I'm not and so the more I got into school I saw what my vision problems were like I couldn't see the chalkboard ever. Um, I had to listen. If you can imagine closing your eyes and doing math from people saying, and X equals Y equals Z, and you're like, huh? (laughs) (sighs) My learning became affected because when I was born in the late 60s, you know, and went through school, early 70s, you know, elementary, it was not okay and socially acceptable to have any kind of disability. There wasn't the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, educators were not educated on how to emotionally, physically, and developmentally meet the needs of children. So when I sat through my IEP meetings, it was just like I sat there and it was like, well, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're blind, you're not going to be anything. And it was like, that had nothing to do with my academics. But there was no expectation for me to succeed 
because people like me or people that are disabled should be locked away and somebody should take care of them and they should not strive to be more or have more. And so I grew up with this constant message. So when I had state represented vision teachers that would come in and listen in these meetings with me, they would always pull me aside after the meetings and say, oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're a child and yet you amaze me because you sit there and you don't fight with these people and you turn around and you make them all look, part of the expression we tell our son not to say this, stupid, because they'll say I can't do something and I'll be like, okay, so I can't do it. Well, guess what? Where there's a will, there's a way. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to accomplish it. And so even if I did things this differently, you know, the same thing, but I did it differently, I got the same outcome. I just had to go through more trial and errors and struggles. As God continued to plant seeds throughout my life, I got to experience church and different things with friends, but never really stuck with it because as a child, I was angry. I was so mad at God. I was just beyond words. How could a loving, caring, giving God allow people in my life throughout my whole life to tell me I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm never going to be anything, I'm not worth love, I'm not this, I'm not that. I mean, what does a child do with that that doesn't have the cognitive ability or discernment to separate that, to put it somewhere, to departmentalize it, to whatever? I almost needed like a shredder to take all that trash information it. and shred it. I was going to say trash it. <laughs> trash it, exactly. Hit the delete button. Yeah. So that really shaped my heart. So I was really angry at God because when people would say, well, God can heal you, and then I'd listen to like certain programs on TV or the radio, like Christian television or this or that, and they'd be like, and if you just believe, God will heal you. And I'd be like, okay, God, here I am. Fix me. I'm ready. I want to be like my peers, fix me. And of course, nothing ever happened. So it just boosted up that anger. And that's what Satan wanted. Because Satan had me right there because I didn't know enough. I was not a Christian. I had not given my heart to God. I had not read a Bible. Reading was very difficult, very hard for me. Because as I tried to read, I would see each letter before I'd see the word. So my processing was much slower as I would read. And you know, that Bible's pretty thick. And it has a lot of wonderful information, so I'm not downing the Bible. But I don't think at the time Bibles on tape were a big thing back in the 70s. They are now. But even if you have to go back and rewind a tape to find verses and chapters in a Bible, it is still very difficult. You know, as I had these seeds planted, like I said, from friends that would come into my life, I just kept saying, okay, well, God, I'm going to do it my way because my way is going to be better. I'm going to find a way to not let people hurt me anymore. I'm going to build the biggest wall, and I'm going to go through my life, and I don't care what it takes, what I have to do. I'm just going to do what I got to do. And so I lived that way, not realizing that you know the anger really had prevented me from experiencing a lot in life. So when I was in my early 20s, God sent me a best friend. She was the one to bring in the harvest. She sat down with me and I just told her, you know, God doesn't love me. She's like, yes, he does. You want to bet? You prove it to me. Now, right now, you go ahead. You prove it. How does God love me? She whipped out that Bible. For every negative thing I had to say, she had verses. I'd say, well, 
I don't fit in, I'm this, I'm that, and she could just find scriptures to show me that God had a plan for my life, that God doesn't make mistakes. Where there's a will, there's a way, and since you don't know where God is taking you and what his mission for your life is, you have no idea. We just, I can't remember it so far back to all the things we said, but we did it for hours. We just went through every piece of anger I had, and finally I was so exhausted, and then she left and went home, and it happened to be Easter Sunday. Woo, and I turned on the Christian Network because it happened to be the channel that was on the station when I turned on the TV. And they put Jesus on the cross, and I fell to my knees, and I couldn't stop crying. And I said, I get it, God. I'm yours. No one can define my value but you. And I realized from that point that I had lived of the world. I had not lived of Jesus. And what the world had fed me were lies, lies. And what Jesus' message was, was love, redemption, peace, forgiveness, healing, a new beginning. There's a funny saying about like, we're all part of the body of Christ. Well, maybe in the body of Christ, you know, I'm not the eyes to see, I'm not the visionary, but I might be the heart behind it or whatever because we all function better as a whole together because we were never meant to be alone. So as I was a baby Christian and began to learn my walk and you know what God would would to do with me. I saw all these mature Christians and you know they were getting all their prayers answered and all this stuff and I was still mesmerized by God and all of his glory and I'm like I wanted to like you know like our children when we take them to the store Walmart or something mommy buy me this toy I want this get me this and I was that way with God God I want this I don't care how she did it I don't care what she did to get it I want it now and I need to have it and thank God for unanswered prayers mm-hmm. Because I didn't have the maturity, I wasn't ready for it, and God had to take me on a journey. And my journey basically was, um, once I accepted him, to find out what God had in store. No one in my family had ever gone to college. I was the first, and I was the only one with a disability. And God said, guess where you're going? You're going to college. I'm like, really? Okay. So here I went, I went to college, and I enrolled in community college. And I'll, I'll never forget one particular um, experience with one of my professors, because as I was sitting there in class, it was a grammar class, English lit with grammar and, and vocabulary and all these things, which that's a very visual. I worked so hard and I tried and I put so much effort and everybody just loved the fact that I had determination and I had drive and that I didn't stop. But when my grammar teacher pulled me aside, or English teacher, and said to me, why don't you use commas and periods? So I'm like, well, what's a period? I had made it through my whole education without knowing punctuation because I couldn't see it. Nobody thought it was worth their time to explain a period means you stop when you read a sentence and all these things. And when my teacher heard that, I mean, she broke down crying because she was like, she could not imagine. I think I took um, grammar, literature, English, whatever it was called back then at community college, like three times. But I got it and I learned everything they didn't teach me in school. And I think that blew her mind because she knew I was gonna go somewhere. And that's pretty much 
how I handled college. I just told people what I was going to do. I told people when I was, you know, just starting out, I want to be a paramedic. What? You can't even drive. What do you want to be a paramedic for? Because I want to help people. And I, I, I just was drawn to that profession. I, I wanted to be a paramedic when I first had my Im- ambitions to enter college, and I thought, well, that'd be cool. And everybody's like, well, you can't drive. What do you mean you want to be a paramedic? And I'm like, I just want to help people. And I was just so drawn to that field. Well, they made me research it, and I went out and I researched it. I realized there was a way to do it. They have certain ambulances that will have three paramedics so then that way you can eliminate yourself from being a driver, but there would still be other physical obstacles to overcome. So for whatever reason, God had gently helped guide me away from that choice, and then I wanted to be a nurse. Can you imagine another visual, very visual field? Because you give medicine, you have to assess injuries, you have to do a lot of things with your eyes. And that's the message there. I wanted to do everything a fully sighted person could do because it was like I was torn as a child. If I wanted to succeed, I was told I have to be sighted. And if I'm sighted, I can make it. If I choose to be blind or a person that needs help, I will not succeed. So even though I'd accepted Christ, I was like an onion. I had so many layers that weren't healed there. So I didn't understand that, why I was still picking these things. Not that I couldn't have maybe done it, because I was a CNA in a hospital. I worked in nursing homes as a CNA. I had done a lot of things, and I probably could have done it. But when I was in my nursing program, I had a professor that basically behind closed doors told me, I'm going to make you fail. Nobody like you has any business in nursing. And because I had a funding source through Department of Vision Services, I had to maintain a C average. And so I did a lot of praying to God. What do I do? You know, do I fight this? And God had to show me there that that was not a fight to take. That it was more important to get the education and let him take me to where I needed to go. So I pursued social work so I became a medical social worker and that's where God took me so I went on to complete my community college get my bachelor's degree and even in my bachelor's program I had also another (laughs) one of those moments with um, an admission counselor Um, I had no idea I was going to go to graduate school but I had to go to graduate school to be a medical social worker and so I had to write an admission essay. And so this guidance counselor or admission counselor, I'm not sure what she was, at the bachelor's level um, said, you know, she could sit down and help me with my paper to write it. And sure enough, I wrote it. If it's no surprise to anybody, my what I wrote made no sense. It was like not knowing periods and commas. My thoughts were all disheveled. They were all out of place. Um, things didn't flow like they should for the level of education that I was pursuing. And she looked at me and said, you're a mess. How in the heck did you even get in college? I was dumbfounded. I was beyond, wow, God, you brought me here again. Another negative experience. Why am I here? And so I left that meeting just feeling really just down about it. And God said, no, you're going to go back there and you're going to educate her to who you really are. So I went back in that office, just like I'm in this room with you all tonight, 
and I just started talking. And a person with a vision problem, if they can do anything well, they can talk. <laughs> and boy, I had a lot to say. So when I told her what I was all about and what my purpose was, I blew her right out of the water and she broke down crying and said, I judged you so unfairly. I'm gonna help you write this paper and you're gonna get into graduate school. Because people need to see beyond the words. You're never probably gonna come across great, written, but man, verbally you rock. You just, you do it. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I've since gotten better. I do write much better now, <laughs> but in my beginning of my journey, I did not. And, um, and now you write a blog. And now I write a blog for New Vision <laughs> to help other moms who have children with vision problems or other adults that are facing vision issues because like I said, New Vision services people of all ages and it's a free um, community service and you don't have to be blind or legally blind. You can just have a vision problem that impairs your quality of life and they will find a way to work with you and make life easier. If they make possible. life so much easier. But getting back to where I was going after that, so I basically went to um, graduate school. God just said, you know, there's lots of stuff for me to teach you since I didn't have a great foundation. And I didn't read the Bible very fluently in this and that. He had to show me that you believe and you have trust. So we're gonna teach you trust and faith and you're gonna go through some things that you physically cannot overcome and I will deliver. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so remember we had this one book we had to read and you had to skim through it to find answers and I can't skim. And the book was like 300 pages and we had like less than 24 hours to do it. And I couldn't read the whole book. I mean, I was maybe at page 50. <laughs> and we had to have it down by like, you know, the next day. And I was pulling an all-nighter. And I had people to show up at my door. Well, I read the middle section of the book. And I got the end. And I got this. And let's sit down and talk about the book. <laughs> so that's what we did. I had, you know, trouble with test taking. And certain professors that didn't understand that wanted to categorize blind people in one one block and if you were blind everybody had to function the same and I didn't I had other issues because I didn't realize that my traumatic skull fracture as a baby had damaged my brain until I was in graduate school because I went for further testing with um, um, a lady who was I'm not sure what her title was but she was like a a counselor but she she focused on brain injury and learning disabilities and I said I have all these problems and certain professors don't understand why um, I can't keep my eyes open and why my certain parts of my brain get over flooded with information and I can't focus and I have this or I have that you know she did all these tests on me and she says you know your left and right hemisphere you have one side of your hemisphere is voided out and everything is rewired to the other side and that affects what part of your brain does what functions and so I learned a lot about myself and like I said God took me through all these trials and tribulations to show me faith to show me that he had a plan and the cool part was when I became a medical social worker I didn't realize that it was a ministry because I ended up working which was a blessing with cancer patients and um, dialysis patients. And I'll never forget, you know, as I did that job, it was so hard because there was so much paperwork. 
And when I'd go make my rounds on the floor in the clinic where people would be hooked up to dialysis, I would have to do assessments. So I'd be like having the paper two inches away from my nose so I could fill it out. And I'll never forget this one particular patient. He was a rough looking gentleman, had dreadlocks. He had a very hard life. He was probably on like SSI and didn't have much in the means to provide him a very comfortable life. But he struggled, but he was a good man. But people couldn't see through his exterior because he had some anger issues too because it's not fun to deal with a terminal illness. And so I sat in front of him and everybody says, oh, you don't want to talk to that patient. He ain't going to talk to you. (laughs) I got to talk to him. So I sat down and I had that paper in front of my face and I'm struggling. He just could not, he was fixated on me. He probably had very limited education and he finally said, look, that's not right. Give me the paper. I'll write, you talk. I'm like, no, I can really write. No, I'll write, you talk. And because I, I, I was like, I wasn't perfect to this gentleman. I, I, I was broken. I was not whole. I was me. And he was like, you aren't the typical nurse or doctor or social worker sitting up there with a nice fancy suit and an uppity attitude and I'm this and I'm that and let me tell you how to live your life and what you're doing wrong with your treatment and you're so bad. And I'm like, wow, God, really? And so like I changed his life because then he took his small amount of money, I think it was like 500 and something dollars a month because he had to fight with some of the staff, the dialysis center, some mixed communication. He had been labeled just an aggressive patient and he went out and bought us all lunch with his disability money, (laughs) which probably took half of his money to go do it. But he was forever changed and he became the nicest, most compliant patient because somebody showed him kindness. And, you know, you look at his appearance and, you know, it might be wrong to say this on radio, but you might walk away from him because he looked scary. No, that's just reality. But it was still humbling. And then I had another dialysis patient, which was another experience that I'll never forget. He, um, all my patients just admired me, I guess. You know, they'd be like, you know, because I take my work home and I do whatever it took to get the job done. And. I always ran around and I was bebopping and happy and just so glad to be there. One of my patients looked at me and he's just like, wow, you know, you're so busy and you have so much to do and you always make time to talk to all of us. You always want to ask us, how was our week? How was our day? What's going on with us? Besides all the work you have to ask us questions on to know what resources and services we might need. And he says, I just got to ask a question. I'm like, sure, shoot, go ahead. He goes, why are you so happy? I don't know. I mean, I, I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, I've got God in my life. You know, I got a great job. I'm doing things with my life as a single person at the time. I was single that I wasn't supposed to do. I said, I just have so much to be grateful for. And he goes, wow. He goes, I like that you have so much joy, and um, I really want that. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, well, you know, I just don't know how to get it. I'm like, okay. And he was saying, well, you know, I have a son that's, you know, becoming a minister, and, you know, my family keep badgering me that I need to accept God, and I just need to get busy and get it done. But, you know, I'm just not completely right with it, you know. So, like, how do you handle all the stressors in your life? And 
how how does it make it right? And I said, you know, this has been my slogan throughout my whole life. Through God, all things are possible. Because I went through so many experiences throughout my life. He was like, wow. He was like, okay. He says, now if I want God, because he didn't want to go home and talk to his family about it, what do I do? I said, it's really easy. You just have to, and I prayed with him. I said, you just have to say, Jesus, please come into my heart. I'm your child. Forever save me and change my life. I'm yours. He went home that night and did that in front of his family, and he died that same night. Oh, wow. And if I wouldn't have been there that day, I mean, I might not have been able to be a social worker as long as I wanted because my vision then got worse, and I had to have corneal transplants, and I had to apply the lessons I had to teach my terminally ill patients that when your life changes dramatically, you have to make lifestyle choices and changes. And sometimes we don't get to stay in the workforce, not because we're not capable, because it's not healthy for our bodies, because we need to take care of what we need for a treatment regime to keep us alive and healthy and well. And it's hard to teach that and then do it yourself, because it's what you got to do. And I just think that for all those patients that I had that kind of impact on that just found God, that was a blessing. But if I can just like backtrack, I just had one thing I really wanted to share that God had put on my heart. (laughs) I don't want to talk in circles to everybody, but one really defining moment going back to the college days is um, when I finished my master's program I really, really was excited about being a social worker. I had, like every college graduate, I had so much anticipation. I put out all these resumes and I told people like about my vision, like up front, here I am. I put it all on the table. This is what I am, this is what I'm all about. I don't see well, I but this and I that, and I just put it all out there. So there's no surprises. So if you want me, you take the vision, you take the whole package, the kit and caboodle and let's go. And a lot of people didn't take me, had people that took me, and then they realized they had too many issues of their own and they discriminated against me and put more scars there. Never really understood that, so I kind of thought, well, God, I need to figure out how to not let people hurt me. I kept going back to that, and it just wasn't what he wanted to to say to me. So I ended up getting to go on a mission trip because I didn't grow up in a church. I never got to do that as, um, as a youth. And so I went to Russia, and that was really an amazing experience. And I got to learn there that we're all the same no matter what country we live in, that our social economic factors, all those things, we're we're all the same people. We just have different situations in which we live. You know, some countries have more wealth than others and different trials and tribulations, but that doesn't make us different because if we all went to war today, we're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. My minister's wife went to take me on some interviews, and I was really excited. And I went in there with my gung-ho attitude, and I told him about my vision and all this stuff. And the lady just said, why, you know, she was really bold and told me, well, I just don't think I'd hire you anyways. But otherwise, you look good, but I just don't think I'd do it. And so I was really mad. So when I went to lunch with the minister's wife, right, we're all sitting there in an open deli in a grocery store where they had tables in the grocery store where you could sit and have lunch. And I'm all telling her, you know, I am so mad. Why won't people give me a chance? And why do these doors keep getting shut in my face? And I'm just, I'm, I'm mad. 
And, you know, and she wasn't getting it because she had not had a lot of exposure with people with disabilities. And I thought, my God, you're a minister's wife. You should know everything about God and people and everything. And how could you not know? <laughs> and my face is getting all beat red like I was in speech class. And I was just like ah, shaking my hand up in the air going, okay, God, if you really care, you know, you're going to fix this and blah, blah, blah. So I was all venting at God saying, and you might as well send a lightning bolt down here too. And, you know, she's my minister's wife all sitting there just like, okay, okay, calm down. And, you know, we talked about it. And then all of a sudden this woman out of nowhere who was also there having lunch handed the minister's wife this piece of paper. And, it, and I have it at home. I should have brought it. But... It was written in red ink, and it said, excuse me, but I could not help but overhear your conversation. You appear to be an attractive and lovely woman, and although your struggles in life are unfair and unjust, I salute you for going forward and opening doors in life that would otherwise be shut for other visually impaired and blind people. By the way, I have a three-year-old daughter with cancer and who is also blind. Who was the blessing, me or that lady who sent that anonymous note? Because, you know, we always say we don't want to be caught by our pastors having a meltdown where we're not being very godly. Because that's our biggest fear as Christians is we, we don't want to come out of our comfort zone and, and lose it because we have to represent God. But we all have those moments. And I had my moment in public. <laughs> and like I said, I don't know who was the blessing, me or that anonymous woman who took the time out to tell me, if you didn't have the ability to tell people I can do it and you didn't have the tenacity to continue to open doors, put yourself in careers, fields, jobs, you know, mm -hmm. other people would never get to pursue that. I didn't think of myself as like a Helen Keller, but it was just humbling. And so that's really what my purpose that God had for me was just to live my life, to glorify him. I didn't need to be fixed. I didn't need to be healed. I just needed to love the Lord with all my heart and soul because I was his. And he doesn't make mistakes. He makes all things perfect through his love and his image. Mm -hmm. Because as, as you live life, it doesn't matter if you come out with a disability or you get one later in life or you have a learning disability or you don't because none of us are perfect. That's the beauty of being part of the family of God is we were never, ever meant to be alone. We were meant to be whole together with like-minded people. You know, I had always wanted very early on in life as a teenager, young adult, like, let me have a family, let me have kids. That was one of the things, thank God for unanswered prayers. Because I could not have done college and had a family and had kids. I just, there's just, I could barely do college. But I wanted it and I'm glad God said no. And so when God finally gave me a husband and two beautiful children, I was losing my vision again. And I never thought I would lose my vision because my vision, although it was impaired, had stayed stable throughout my life until the, the very end of my career that came to a sudden halt. And it was hard for me because when I left the workforce, all my purpose and meaning was gone because I served God through my job, through the way I lived. And now I was in a house 
And who's going to see me in my house? <laughs> well, besides the kids, the cat, you know, whatever. But like, who's really going to see me? And the, the, the hard thing about having a vision problem when you can't get out and go when you want to go is you're isolated. Because my husband will go to work. And when you have kids, nobody likes to pack up the diaper bag and 20 million things and rush out to go do nothing necessarily just to get out of the house. Daily living was hard for me because... I had to add in the element of a new treatment regime trying to take care of my sight and children and everything. And it was it was hard, but God needed me to have grown up as a Christian. He needed me to be more stable in my life before he could give me that blessing. And then like when I had my first child, uh, my son, and he ended up having my eyes I was beside myself. I was actually, when I got the news, I could not cope. I could not function with that. And and my mom saying like, you know, you can do this, you know? And I'm like, but I'm not you, mom. My mom is an amazing woman. She had so much strength. If I wanted to do something, she would support it to the fifth degree that it would just be done. If people gave me too much flack, she would find a way to undo that and find a loophole and I'm like how can I raise a child with a vision disability what am I going to do what do I even have to offer and then I was quickly reminded by family and friends as I was in my pity party as you call it Mm -hmm. which as Christians do go through why me God well why anybody and family and friends quickly reminded me that who better to teach your son about what it means to not see well and all the things you've experienced and lived. Who better to understand what he will experience and go through? And that was amazing because that helped get me out of that pity party, so thank God I didn't stay there long. Somebody introduced me to New Vision, a lady who's no longer with us. She went home to be with the Lord a couple years ago. And I met her at the gym where I worked out. She told me about this brand new program starting for babies and children. And and my son was probably one of the first kids in that program. I was with New Vision. My son was with them, I should say, for a couple years. And then God had lit a fire in me again. Because, you know, when we walk with God, for I was with him for, I've been with him for 23 years, you go through lulls like where things are calm and you don't really feel like God's doing much with you and then you go through these spikes of oh my gosh so much energy and so much drive and purpose and meaning and where we're going and so he lit that fire back because I wasn't really happy because I was so isolated the only time I could get out is if a friend came over and took me or if my husband would take me places and I kept saying honey I want to get away from you and the kids and when you take me somewhere and you wait for me you're still there. That doesn't work. <laughs> I said, I want independence. And so I finally said to New Vision, teach me how to cross streets again. Because when I was a teenager, they tried to teach me, not New Vision, but the agency back then in my life, tried to teach me that. But see, when you're a teenager, you don't want to identify a white cane as being who you are. I was not blind. I was not going to be blind as a teenager. And I was going to fit in with my peers at any cost. And so they taught me recently how to use a cane. And when we moved um, in Lake County, we moved somewhere else again. Um, 
they more do, isolated more well no we're not isolated now where i used to live i was isolated we moved where i'm not isolated i can get to shopping and things now but i wanted to learn to have mobility so anyhow as i pursued that for myself um i guess that's my thought but as i pursued that for myself they had just passed an ordinance with the school systems that they got rid of courtesy busing so now I had to cross six and eight lane highways because it was my responsibility as the only parent home to get my child to school. I said, what the heck? You're gonna put a blind mother in an intersection, a highway to cross roads with a kindergartner and a baby. How do I do that? Please somebody tell me how I do that. So I made the paper, I made the Orlando Sentinel. <laughs> So I had to put those social work skills back to use. <laughs> and the school system and, and myself sat down, we got it all worked out, and I didn't have to do that. But for a while there, it was looking like I was, and my mobility training was scheduled to start like middle of September, and school was already in session, so like this does not help me. I found my freedom and my self, uh, sense of self again as I went out there and I learned to use a cane because I have a healthy relationship with that white cane. That cane now tells people that, hey, I need help. And it's okay to need help because all of us Christians, we need help. God never said go out into the world and suffer and be in pain and live it and no one help you. For me, it was just awesome because like when I use this cane, the, you know, people see me now and they actually are more courteous and they treat me differently and I have a sense of pride and I'm happy to report I am crossing those six and eight lane highways. It's still scary, but I live life to the fullest because I know when it's my time to go home, God's gonna take me home and I don't fear what could happen because life is scary. Whether you drive, whether you don't drive, whether you see, whether you don't see. And my child said to me, my son said to me, Mommy, I hope I can learn to use a cane just like you. He doesn't need to use a cane right now in his life because he sees better than I do. But what a nice blessing for him to have said that to me, mm -hmm. that he was so proud of me because I was using a device that enabled me to function with safety and ease rather than being hung up on who I was and what I looked like and how I fit into the world. And, you know, I, I really feel like as, as Christians, you know, we have to learn that we aren't of the world. We live in a world of sin, we're all part of sin, that doesn't make us bad, but it's what you do with your life because where you start is not where you finish. As long as you have your heart open to God and you live and you try God will never forsake you. He will never mm. leave you. And my favorite saying is, through all things are possible, through Jesus Christ who strengthens us, all things are possible, even the impossible. And what one Christian has, you have to remember, they paid a certain price to get to that point in their journey. And that might not be the journey that God wants you on. Mm -hmm. And if you took that journey, it doesn't mean that you can't find grace or forgiveness but you you miss the boat because god has a special plan i can't emphasize that enough god has a special plan for every life no one was born brought into this world by accident 
everybody has a purpose and a plan, and we all fit into the body of Christ. We just have to figure out who we are and what we were meant to do. Like my mom, like I said, she always believed in God, and we went to, you know, church on Easter, Christ, Christmas Christ, and Easter. Yes, Christmas and Easter. But through all the trials and tribulations I went through, right? My mom came to find God in her heart and is a strong, devout Christian, has said I've changed her life forever by just living my life to the capacity that I have just by witnessing what God has done and continues to do. Because um, when I was in graduate school, I was under so much stress because it was physically too hard for me to be in graduate school. And I was doing it like a sighted student. Two years, no accommodations, everything i was just doing it i had hit so much stress i had a mind freeze i couldn't write my my term paper i just mentally had lost it and so my um my mom i was on the other side of the state this is when i lived in washington she state she um drove four hours up to college to come and get me and pack me up and take me home because like i literally had lost it i was like i i was i had mental freeze I couldn't function I just was like the block was so there she was withdrawing me from school because like she was like freaked out she'd never seen me like this she didn't know what to do and that's a parent's reaction is I'm going to remove you from this and we'll go home and fix it and we'll talk about it if you go back we were halfway driving back and I'd already disenrolled from school <laughs> and God said to me we pulled in a gas station to uh, get gas and I told my mom I wanted to walk in the store and get some, you know, M&Ms or something. And this angel appeared from nowhere. And there was nobody there. My mom looked. She, she could see me walking into the store to get the candy and walking out. There was no one there. This angel had appeared in my, somewhere from that time I walked and got the candy and walked back towards the car and, and just started chatting with me about, you're going to make it. You're going to do it. And I'm like, huh, whatever. <laughs> I got in the car, we started driving, and I just started crying and said, Mom, you're going to think I'm crazy? Probably am. Stop the car. we got to turn around and go, go back to college. i got to re-enroll because i, I got to write that paper tonight. And I went home, back to college, my dorm. I wrote that paper, got an A+, got it, and blocked my mind, and well. I went and did it. But like, if you just think <laughs> about all the things, if we just stop and don't do it, or we get off track, or we whatever all the lives that wouldn't be touched and i always like to tell people if you bring one person to jesus christ Amen. you've already done his work yep. because one life touches several lives and several lives touch more lives mm -hmm. and that's why i said we're all meant to be together we're not meant to be alone we function so much better as a whole amen, amen. tammy thank you so much for coming by and sharing your testimony yep it was my pleasure, you know, um, besides doing this and, you know, writing blogs for New Vision, I try to write stories and help other parents through the same way that you're trying to reach listeners on the radio. It, it's, a, it's a good purpose just to know that you're not alone in the world Amen. and that there are and people out there that want to help and really do care. I was impressed when I first went to her house because I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm like, her house is cleaner than yours, and well, she's legally blind. I try. She, I'm, I still miss things. And then shirt. I saw that there was like a there was a, a pot on the stove, and I'm like, 
and she cooks. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. That's uh, newvisionfl.org. N-E-W-V-I-S-I-O-N-F-L dot org. Dot org. Well, that's session 25, Mikey. That is 25. That's a nice round number. That is a nice round number. We tried to not make it this long. We really did on several occasions. I'm speaking for myself, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. And uh, something Tammy said earlier was that if, if she had given up when she felt like giving up, she would have never... Uh, touched the amount of people that she did or, yeah. or had acquired the skills, you know, just uh, like the social worker skills to handle the situation with the cane and, and with crossing the, the boulevard and whatnot. Right. And not only that, you know, she came to the point where she said that uh, now that she's out of, uh, not able to work and everything else, and she's home with the kids and everything else, what am I good for? A mom raising kids is one of the top things that God has uh, the the mother doing. Yeah, but the hard thing about being a mom, if you've been in a life where you you go to a job and you get to accomplish tasks every day, you you get the sense of completion. As a mom... (laughs) The work is never done. The work's never done and you're never completed. And I don't... That's my uncomfortable zone, and God has to work with me on that every day, because for everything that I say, I'm going to be more organized, I'm going to be on top of this, I'm going to do it all, I can't, and I fall short every day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, there's no replacement for a mom's touch. Nope. You know, just ask my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) My Mr. Mom skills are just not there. Yeah, my um, my two-year-old, when I would go out for my mobility lessons, and she's two, she's going to be three you know, in May, but she would say like, mommy, you go out with BB that, you know, that was my instructor. You go out and, and you're, you go out and you're going to work with your cane. And like, she's only two and she already knows it's a cane. She already knows the proper terminology Sorry. And, and, and they listen, they really observe and they listen to how you handle your life and yourself and all the things where we feel flawed when we don't handle that good. They mimic it, too. They mimic the good and the bad. And I think that's what's amazing about God, where you can be at so many different junctures in your life where you're so frustrated and mad because you just fall short. And if you just every day ask God, lead me, help me, direct me, show me humbleness, show me to say to the kids or to whomever, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I could have done this better. I handled that poorly. That it's it's not a finished deal because... God can change hearts. He can change anything. Amen. All right. Session 25. All done. Thanks again, Tammy, for You're coming welcome. by. Thank Thanks, you for having me. Trish, Trish. for, Stopping for in. extending the invitation yes. to her and her yeah, accepting. Yeah, her accepting. And thank and you so much. Driving her over yes. here. Driving yes. her over. and Get more information about New Vision at newvisionfl.org, or you can drop us a line at godstoriesradio at gmail, and we'll get information to you. Or on Facebook, Twitter, we twit we back tweet. and forth. Huh? Twit. Twit. Tweet. 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 Too? Twit. Twit. Do we twit? Um, I, I never know. I think it's tweet. 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 It's tweet. tweet. I'm a twit. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, well, thank you it's again, Tammy. And that was session 25, and it's just been an incredible session, and we thank God for it. Yes, so. we do. This has been God Stories Radio. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. Trish. God bless. God bless.
You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com.